Sinner, if you ask me how Christ can save you, I tell you this, he can save you because he did not save himself. He can save you because he took your guilt and endured your punishment. There is no way of salvation apart from the satisfaction of divine justice. Either the sinner must die or else someone must die for him. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Um, after two-month layoff, we are back. The Gospel Enthusiast Podcast is ready to go. So we're going to do things a little bit different after this layoff. We're going to just, well, at least different with this episode, we're just going to jump right into the conversation that we were having that we happen to hit record on. So enjoy the conversation, and we hope it blesses you. Did you hit record on Yeah. You? Okay, good. <laughs> oh, nice. That yeah. was... But, was subtle, <laughs> was flawless. But like you said, like it's, it's like oh, you have you have Calvinist, and then you have a four point Calvinist, and it's like well, what do you leave out? Well, you leave out limited atonement, and yeah. it's so, just like it's like okay, so you're a universalist. Yeah, if you don't limit the atonement, that makes you a universalist. Because if you believe everyone gets to heaven, or like limit, if you don't yeah. believe everyone gets to heaven, you limit the atonement. Yeah. It's it's simple. It's um, yeah, in one way or, or another, you're limiting a little limiting it. Sorry, <laughs> totally twisted my tongue there. But, but ultimately, this isn't the topic we're talking about. Yeah. I guess it's that that that's the doctrine of Calvinism. Or yeah, Tulip, but I, I guess I guess we're not we uh, just, we're not talking about Calvinism. You know, in honestly, I was I was reading um, that book right and uh, called the Sovereign Grace of God. Um, and it is about it, the doctrines of uh, what's usually called Calvinism, uh, the tulip or whatever. But he actually adds an S in front of it for sovereignty, so it's the stulip. Stulip. Because <laughs> he's like, the, <laughs> the sovereignty of God is the key that actually holds it all together. Yeah. Right? And so, obviously, people have issue with that. So, <clears throat> in going through the book, one of the common threads is... Um, he continues to point back to, okay, do you believe this stuff? Because he's going through each of them, right? He starts with the sovereignty, and then he starts with the depravity of man, and then he starts with how it's unlimited or unconditional election, mm-hmm. how um, God's choosing us or choosing those his elect is not based on something of themselves mm-hmm. that they did. That's the unconditional election. And then he continues to progress, and he's like, okay, if you believe this, then you can't really argue with this. Like, that's the thing about um, four-point, what, what people would call yeah. like four-point Calvinists. And not Arminians. Yeah. <laughs> not to say, you know, that we necessarily call ourselves Calvinists. I don't like being titled that anyways. Right. Um, it's just, you know, because it's what the Bible says is yeah. what I, I've found in reading it. But... Uh, if you believe um, the total depravity of man, not that we are as evil as we can be, but that we're completely incapable of turning to God, mm-hmm. um, 
then you would believe that there's nothing in us that God would choose us for. Like, well, there's no reason, nothing we could do is good, so therefore nothing God could choose us for. So then you believe in unconditional election. Yeah, like, I, well, I guess the, the one point that I would, I would make there is that um, when it comes to, like, th- there are a lot of people who believe, like, well, I'm not a bad person. You know, like, like, and even I mean, in, wrong. In, like, even in, in Christian circles, yeah. where it's like, well, I wouldn't say total depravity, right? Like, it's like, oh, you know, I'm still oh. good. Like, I do good things and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, when we talk about like, you look at the holiest of holies, like God Himself, and then you look at us. You committed one law, or you break one law, you've bro- broken them all, mm-hmm. and so. And I guess you know. obviously, if they don't like the total depravity, the a better maybe a better way of saying it is man's inability, uh, complete inability. It's another way that it's called often. Mm-hmm. Is because man has no ability. Man is. Uh, but if you don't believe that man is, um, depra- you know, depraved or has, um, has sinned against God, or if you don't believe that, um, you know. It's like, oh, I'm not so bad that I can come into God's presence. That that to me doesn't make any sense. Like, how well, can how can you expect to come before um, such a you know vast and holy God mm-hmm. with um, say you know saying I am good in my own way? And that's the problem that most Christians these days have is that they they don't know that they don't believe that, and that's something that's that we've discussed, right? Why? why we share the gospel the way we share the gospel um, is that man, you know, as I think it's, is it Thomas Watson who said that you know, until sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Like until we realize our necessity and our um, complete inability, mm-hmm. then why would we ever turn to Christ? Right. <clears throat> and so that's that, what the T and you know, often called tulip, right. Um, and so, ultimately, that, that progresses through, um, you know, there's no condition of ours that God chose us because of. And then it goes to limited atonement, which people hate because it they, it seems the common misconception is people believe that God, um, that there are people who won't be saved, who want to be saved because they're not of the elect, yeah. right? Like people who want Christ... Um, that won't be saved because they're not of the elect, but that's not the case. Yeah, because right. Jesus himself says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not going to want to call upon the name of the Lord unless, you know, you have been saved. Like, you you can't. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. God gives, um, God doesn't give anyone what they don't um, want, right? If someone's going to hell, it's not... No one's going to go to hell wanting Jesus. Yeah. They'll go to hell because they loved their sin. They'll go to hell because they wanted what they wanted their sin. They wanted the pleasures and all that more than they wanted Christ. Mm-hmm. And then God, what God is giving them is not unjust. He's actually giving them justice. Well, that reminds me of, uh, I can't remember which pastor I was watching. He was discussing the prosperity gospel and I, um, you know, and obviously the thought of being like, I felt bad for the people that were in their church, um, listening to um, a bunch of uh, 
essentially lies that are, are, are draped in Christianity um, to make it look good. And uh, then he said, in as much as they are being lied to, that is true. Um, they're also there because they want to hear that. They want to mm-hmm. be prosperous. They want to have what is being preached. And so it's not that they necessarily even want Christ. They just want that that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it just shows the, the condition of man. You know, like that's, that's exactly to your point. Like, I mean, um, at least my belief is that nobody's going to hell that uh, that didn't like more or less want to go there. Not that they like wanted to go to hell, but they didn't want God. They chose to because they love their sin. Yeah. Exactly. I read a quote. I actually read a quote today from John MacArthur where he said, uh, "Is it is God unfair in not choosing to save everyone? Fair would send everyone to hell. You don't want fair. You want mercy." Yeah, yeah, and that's true because He's absolutely right. What we all deserve, what every one of us deserves, is hell. Mm-hmm. We have broken God's laws. We have sinned continuously and willfully against a complete and holy God, yeah. and all of us deserve the punishment that um, would be coming our way, if not for the complete and wonderful mercy and grace of God and Christ, that He. You know, sent his son to save us. Everyone that he saves, he doesn't have to. Everyone that he saves, that's grace. That's all grace. Well, absolutely yeah. all grace. And well, so, it brings up the you know the kind of the question that I think a lot of people who would disagree with um, our point of view of predestination and election mm-hmm. would be like, well, if God elects or has his elect, does that mean God? Um, chose to send people to hell like is that got and obviously we kind of discussed that but um it's it's two truths right it's an antinomy it's two truths that run parallel with one another that seem like there'd be a contradiction but yet both in and of themselves they're true that man is responsible but god is sovereign you know Obviously not to be confused with antinomianism. No. Which is basically against the lawism, saying that Christians can live however they want. The law is not binding to them. That's a heresy. That's mm-hmm. but that's well, not what we're talking about. Because Roman not Romans nine says that God endures vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Like they were Yeah. They they've chosen to um walk the path right to hell. But, mm-hmm. Like broad is the way, and many will find it. Right, uh, yeah. that leads to destruction. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, and I mean, it says that he does that. Right, he he endures. <coughs> pardon me. Uh, he d- endures vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, uh, and he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. And so, one thing that I love, I never thought of it this way, and someone from our church uh, pointed it out on our group chat one time. Um, it, it says there that there are vessels of <coughs> wrath prepared for destruction, and he, he endures them um, to show in order to show mercy on the vessels of glory which he prepared beforehand. Yeah. It doesn't say he prepared the vessels of wrath beforehand. The vessels of wrath he endures. The people who are going to end up in hell justly, he endures them. Yeah. He endures, you know, their sinfulness and their uh, 
riot, uh, not riots, not the word I'm looking for, but their complete and utter um, war against God. He, he endures that so that in due time he would um, be able to show his mercy towards the vessels of glory which he prepared beforehand, which he foreknew, mm-hmm. uh, which he predestined and he elected to show mercy upon. Well, it's kind of on the topic of, uh, what is it called, double predestination? Mm-hmm. Where, uh, you know, for the elect that, you know, God gave a people, a chosen people to Christ in eternity's past, he intervenes to positively, actively work grace, <clears throat> excuse me, in their souls to bring them to a saving faith. He unilaterally regenerates the elect and ensures their salvation for the reprobate, you know, for those who are dead in sin and lost, who mm-hmm. will not be saved. God does not work evil in them or prevent the reprobate from coming to the faith. He passes over them, leaving them to their own sinful desires. So our lusts, it's what they want. You know, like, like mm-hmm. as a unbeliever, what you're doing is choosing to walk in unbelief or in disbelief, I should say. Yeah. And I was reading today in the in the London ba- the London Baptist Confession of 1689, and when it talks about man's will, it talks about man by his fall into state of sin has completely lost all ability of will to perform any of the good spiritual good which accompanies salvation as a natural man he is altogether averse to spiritual good and dead in sin he is not able by his own strength to convert himself or prepare himself for conversion um and the proof text there is romans 5 6 8 7 uh, ephesians 2 1 to 5 titus 3 3 to 5 uh, john six forty four, and that like um that talks about what we were talking about earlier about uh, the depravity and man's inability. Man, in his natural state, wants sin. He he can't. He's completely helpless. He cannot come to Christ. And then you were talking about sort of the um, double predestination, I guess, or the effectual calling of God. Yeah. Where um, God calls those to Himself, and that you know that part I was just reading was uh, point three in chapter nine of the confession. And then if I look into um, chapter 10, the first point, it says, To those God, or those whom God has predestined to life, he, ple- he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time to effectually call by his word and spirit out of the state of sin and death which they are in by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ. He enlightens their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. He takes away their heart of stone and gives to them a heart of flesh. He renews their wills and by his almighty power causes them to desire and pursue that which is good. He effectually draws them to Jesus Christ, yet in such a way that they come absolutely free, freely being made willing by his grace. So he changes their hearts. That's where it talks about, is it Ezekiel where it talks about, or where is it that it talks about giving them a heart of flesh? Ezekiel. That's Ezekiel, right? Six, I believe. Um, and like that's exactly the same. Like he gives them a heart of flesh and makes them want to come to Christ, right? And so uh, we had talked about previously, I don't know if it was, was it earlier or was it during this session? Uh, where we had talked about, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say, but it was something that Alistair Bag had said in that one sermon oh. that we had watched, right? Where, um, you know, uh, oh, 
was it the quote that I had? Possibly. What was that? Like, uh, oh, let me quickly find it for you. Uh, first, we need to realize there are none that seeketh after God. So the individual who begins to turn their gaze towards God, although they may not even realize it, is bearing testimony to the fact that God is already at work in their life. Right. Yeah, exactly that. Because we don't seek God and are completely unable in, in to do so. Um, then when someone does turn to Christ, it's something they don't think of and something they don't realize is that God has already been working in them to, before they can do so. Yeah. So then I, I guess a question would be from you know the other side, and I'm going to ask you guys this. John 3. For God, you know, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only begotten son. Is that a call to everybody? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good question. Because um, I uh, I was going through John 3. This is this was a while back. And, and that's a common uh, a refutation, I guess you could say, of mm-hmm. a Reformed doctrine. And at the same time, I would say John 3 is, the, is also a chapter that I would use for a proof text of, mm-hmm. of uh, Reformed doctrine. Of God, um, especially of God's sovereignty in, in uh, selection. I was going to say mm-hmm. salvation and election. But go ahead, Ben. Um just give me a second here. I'm just going to go uh, through, uh, yes, uh, John 3.16 here. It says here, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's true, 100% true. Um, but then when we continue reading, we can get farther into this. For, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world through him might, uh, that the world might be saved through him. It's like, okay, cool, you know, we're not condemned. Verse 18, Whoever believes in him not it, whoever sorry whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already so if, if you don't believe in god if you, if you don't believe in in jesus christ the only son uh, the propitiation for our sins you're already condemned mm-hmm. um because he has not believed on on the on the in the name of the only uh, son of god um and this judgment the light has the light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Um, and, and so it's, it, Jesus is continue, continuing basically to talk about total depravity of, of how... Uh, Man just loves his lusts. Yeah, and he, would, yeah. And and he would rather yeah. go away from God so that his sin is stays in the dark. Well, because the beginning of that chapter, right, he ta- Nicodemus oh, yeah. comes to him and says, you know... What must I do? You must be born again, right? Yeah. And, and, I, and we to be talking, born again is not. <laughs> you can't do anything to be born. Like you can't. How would I put this? You you're, you had nothing to do with your first birth. You have nothing to do with your second. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. exactly where it comes in. What we were talking before, right? How God moves in you before you can even come to Him. You know, God. It's the same thing Ezekiel with giving Him a heart of flesh. God gives you a heart of flesh, then mm-hmm. you can change. And it, as it says in John 3, it says that, um, it doesn't say, you know, come into the, my kingdom and then you're born again. It says, if you're not born again, you won't see the kingdom. Yeah. So the being born again precedes the seeing the kingdom. It precedes being in the kingdom. So, you know, that is something that God is doing in you to, you know, the, through the Holy Spirit to um, renew your heart so that you do come. 
Like exactly like we talked before, people don't understand, you know, they come to God and they think they did it. I was the same way when I first did. It's like, oh, sure. yeah, finally, I, you know, I decided to come to Christ. I think most people. But are, ultimately, are... I can look back on it now and I can see points in time where God was using things to move me closer and closer and moved yeah. me, ultimately moved me to repentance and faith. And it wasn't my doing. If it was, if it was up to me, I would gladly have stayed living in my sin. Yeah, well, Romans 1, 18-32, is it? Where it says that man is, um, can see God, you know, through, you know, creation, mm-hmm. and yet blatantly denies him. Mm-hmm. Like, they they know God by what they see, and yet they deny him yeah, and they, his existence, right? They're impenitent. They just... They worship the creation rather than the creator. Yeah. Um... And uh, just to, um, I guess, look at John 3 in another light, uh, especially in reference to the word all, there's a debate about what that uh, word means. But going to, to John 10, Jesus is talking about uh, he is the, the good shepherd. And it's written, uh, starting in verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Uh, and so it, it's it's Jesus is saying that um, there there's a group of sheep that are his and there's a group that are not that's all like it's already set and uh, and speaking about sheep uh, the story of the uh, the lost sheep notice how the the sheep that was lost did not seek out the shepherd the mm. sheep that was lost was lost <laughs> stayed lost until the shepherd that's left a, the 99 for that one that's sheep. That's a really good point. Yeah. And even in the John 10 that you were talking about there, it, the way it's worded, right, is it's not, you're not my sheep because you don't believe. It says, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. Mm-hmm. And think also in the way of prayer, how one prays is if even if you believe in in election or you don't if you believe in free will yeah or or you believe in free will i should say everyone if they're praying for someone to be saved will pray in the same way and they'll pray god open their eyes god have mercy on them god see even it, that's the funny thing right is even those people who who are against like the sovereignty of god or the uh this this way of thinking, right? This um, that God stirs it up and stuff. Their their prayer still is when when um, praying for someone's salvation is still it's still praying sovereignty of God. It's still praying that God would act first. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's kind of, kind of my point was yeah. was that regardless of your belief in man's free will of choosing or that God does the work, like that he's the one to act, the way you pray for someone else to be saved is that God will act. Yeah. You know, so in a way, you're there is, you know, that Calvinist air quotes. People couldn't see that. Sorry. Yeah, you did the air I quotes. I did the air quotes and then... <laughs> My bad, but there's that that Calvinist quote unquote um, way of prayer, and it's biblical because God initiates. Yeah, God needs to act first yeah. before we could ever come to Him, right? Mm-hmm. And that's another 
there's another thing with salvation um, and the sovereignty of God in it is if it's our choice, then how can we trust it to be carried through to the end? And that's that last. Well, we couldn't. Exactly. That's that last letter in. We didn't mean to start the talk on the tulip thing, but we yeah. might as well close it out with the P, the perseverance of the saints, or or the preservation of the saints, as it's sometimes called. Is that God will help us endure to the end? Um, when you're, like, I'm not a father. I'm like nowhere close. You need to have a date before None you of can us get are. a. You need to have a date before you can get a girlfriend, before you can get a wife, before you can have kids. Uh, but, uh, anyways, just um, for those out there who think that you can have kids before marriage, sin. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, to be serious though, we got got it a bit off topic. Uh, but to be serious, right? It's it's like you know. If I had a kid, if I had a son, and we were going to walk across the street, if I was relying on my son to hold my hand to cross the street, there would be, or if I was the son, let's say, holding my father's hand to cross the street, I could let go at any time. But because it's God who instigates salvation and who God who causes us to persevere, it's our Father who's holding our hand. Yeah. And so we can trust that He won't let us go, and that. You know, that brings us to John, you know, where it talks in John 6, right? Where it talks about uh, all those who come to me, I will not cast out. And where the Father's will is um, where it says in John's, John 6, 40, where it says, "For the w- This is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in me will have eternal life, and I myself will raise them up on the last day. And it says in... Sorry, I should have gone in 39, where it says, This is the will of the Father, of him who sent me, that of all he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. That's the verse I meant. But Well, and then you have to, in that same uh, chapter, in verse 44, uh, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And, and in right. verse 65, it says, And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that... No one can come to me unless it has been granted from him from the Father. Mm-hmm. So you didn't save yourself. Mm-mm. God saved you. Yeah. You didn't come to Christ, you know, even if you believe that. It's like, well, I believe that it is um, by grace alone through faith alone. Absolutely. But you have to know that it was God's doing and not your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, in, in John 10, like right after the, the, the portion I read earlier... Um, starting in verse 28 uh, Jesus says I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand mm-hmm. uh, and when you combine that with when he says that um, and, and that, that he won't lose any of these that the father has given him um, it, it goes right back to the illustration you shared with about the child I mean there's been moments where I've like um, I have a number of nieces and nephews and there's, there are moments when, oh, they need to, you know, need to bring them to mom or bring them out of a certain area. And, of course, you can't rely on them to hold your hand because they're going to go right back to the thing that you're supposed to bring them away from. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to grab them by the hand and, and forcefully mm-hmm. pull them away from whatever it is that they're drawn by, you know. Yeah. Uh, and in the same way, God chose us. Um, he predestined us because uh, we, we didn't desire him. Um, we, we didn't want him. We worshiped the creation rather than the creator. And we wanted our own sin, and God chose us and elected us, uh, predestined us for adoption, 
um, because we would not have uh, chosen. Yeah, that's Ephesians 1, right? Yeah, he predestined us to adoption through Christ Jesus to himself. Yeah, and it can also be in uh, yeah. Romans 8, verse 29 and 30, right? For those who, for who he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And who he called, he also justified. And th- these whom he justified, he also glorified. Like, the New Testament and the Old Testament, too. Like, mm-hmm. we've talked about that previously um, another time. I know, Benny, had, you have an, had an example, right? Yeah. Uh, where in the Old Testament it talks about predestination. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I talk about the people of Israel, you know, God didn't choose them because of... Um, anything they did he didn't choose them because of their great number or anything like that he chose them because of his love and because of his uh faithfulness to their fathers that he would keep their promise right yeah and well i can't remember the passage either but abraham um was uh deemed righteous by god for his faith yeah you know that he had faith that you know god was going to deliver him when he brought his son up for yeah to the and, altar and even when he when god makes a uh i want i'm trying to think of the word deal is the first one that comes to my mind but that's not uh, a promise let's just say a, yeah, it's a promise uh with abraham he does so and he instigates it himself he does it himself that he's the one who's going to be let god is the one who's going to be you know abraham's in a deep sleep and god passed through the the uh pieces of the animal and stuff to keep to show that he's going to be the one responsible for keeping the promise yeah yeah well i mean just kind of touching back on limited atonement uh, a little bit you had mentioned like the old testament um and uh in in exodus 33 verse 19 uh this is uh, the lord talking to moses um for he says to moses i will have mercy on whom i have mercy i will have compassion on whom i have compassion um and basically, God is stating, "I am God. I am sovereign. Uh, I this is completely my choice, one hundred percent." And then we get a, an example of this uh, in Luke four, verse twenty-five to twenty-seven. Jesus is recounting two different stories, and, and in, in King seventeen, um, there is a widow named Zarephath, and there were many widows in that time, but God sent Elijah only to her, and there were many lepers in the time of Elisha. But only name in the Syrian was healed. Um, I don't believe that they're found in the same passage. I, I don't recall where they, the second passage is, but uh, uh, Jesus does talk about them both. And um, kind of saying how, like, there was, a, if God wanted specifically just to, to heal everyone, to do that for everyone, then he would have, but he didn't. Uh, so the fact that he chose Zarephath and Naaman. And he chooses the elect um, is is not an old or not a new idea. Sorry, it's from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, it's throughout the Old Testament with his people and with throughout like Noah and the Ark. Everyone, you know, God saw that everyone, every intent of the heart of man was wicked continuously. Mm-hmm. But yet, <laughs> Brian's making noise. Uh, yet Noah found favor with God. But that. It was not that can't be because of something Noah did. No, it was nothing. Yeah, it, it, Noah did. God chose yeah. Noah to be the one to. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I mean, like the the God took uh, a lot of 
uh, how was it phrased once? Uh, a lot of the, the characters, all the major, or most of the major characters of the Bible, um, were, you know, like uh, blemished in some way. Like there was pains mm-hmm. taken to make sure that they were uh, blemished in some way. When yeah. you look at David, for example, how he not only did he sleep with another man's wife, but he tried to deceive the man about it, and then eventually had him killed because you know he just wasn't getting. Well, you put him on the front line without by himself. Yeah. By himself, yeah. the rest of the army drew back just to make sure he was dead. Um, and it, it, that's it's, brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. There's there's stories of you know different stuff happening. You know, like Moses, he killed a man uh, before he yeah. he became uh, the leader of Israel. Um, there's there's stories throughout uh, the, the Bible about these major characters that have uh, major flaws, and it's just showing how we can't. Like God isn't choosing people because of their attributes. No. I mean, like the the one the one story like um, was saying, uh, you know, there's all these different people that have all these different deficiencies and attributes and sins in their life, and you know the one was that you know uh, Lazarus was dead and God chose him. You know, like <laughs> it's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah. He didn't call everyone out of the grave. He called Lazarus. Exactly. Well, he called him by name because if he didn't call him by name, the entire grave would come forth. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the the one point I, I guess I would make would be that if God is not sovereign over everything, you know, like, because there will be people who say, well, you know, free will, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If God is not sovereign over everything, including salvation, what kind of God is that to serve? Like, why would we serve a God who is not in control? Right. He is completely in control. He is totally worth our service. Mm-hmm. Totally worth our praise. Totally worth our um, adoration and, and love. Because without him, we literally can do nothing. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it is complete grace. Yeah. And there is this form of free will, right? Because God did give... Um, like, I'm just going to go back to what I re- read here in the London Baptist Confession... And it's not... The thing is, it's a misconception how people see it. Yeah. Right? Uh, if I go back to chapter 9 of the London Baptist Confession, and I look at part, uh, point 1 and point 2. So I'll start with point 1. It said, God has endued the will of man by nature with liberty and the power to choose and to act upon his choice. This free will is neither forced nor destined by any necessity of nature to do good or evil. Um, and then in point two, it says man in his original state of innocency had freedom and power to will and to do that which was good and well-pleasing to God, but he was unstable so that he might fall from this condition. And then like I, I talked about, it goes to point three that we talked about earlier, where it says that man by his fall into the state of sin has completely lost all ability to um, of will to perform any of the spiritual good which accompanies salvation. And he is, as a natural man, completely averse to spiritual good, good and dead and sin. And, um, like, that just, it talks that we're, you know, completely enabled by will. See, the Bible talks multiple times how we are enslaved. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a slave either one way or the no- or another. A song I've been listening to recently is the way it, put, it says it is we're all slaves. One kills, one saves. Mm-hmm. So you're either you're either a slave to sin, where your will you have 
a will, a free will, but your will chooses sin. You have, those who are not in Christ have the utter inability to choose, they're just going to choose sinful things. Everything they'll choose will be sinful, because that's what their will is enslaved to. Then when God saves us, he allows our will to be able to choose the things of God. He enables our will to have the ability to choose the things of God. But being imperfect, we still choose sin at time to time. The saved man will hate that. All right, we all agree that yeah, we, absolutely. we absolutely hate it. The the the, enslaved, the free man will hate that when he chooses sin, but he has that ability to now choose God. But before God enables us to be able to do so, we can't. Yeah. And one thing I'd like to point out too is that often an argument against. Calvinism, people would say, well, am I predestined to have macaroni or spaghetti and, and silly things like that? And, and obviously we have some form of free will. That's obvious. We make choices every day. Uh, this doctrine is saying that the choice that we cannot make in of ourselves is to choose to serve God, that we, we cannot choose Christ uh, in our own mind. Like we don't have that capacity. We can choose what pants we wear. We can choose what sin we want to commit that day. Uh, we can choose what we want to eat, but we cannot choose to serve Christ outside of Christ choosing us. To be fair, God knew all those things before the world. Yeah, that's, that's also true. Because what I was gonna say is, like, we're so flippant to think that you know life is chance. Like, oh, we're gonna just anything can happen at any time. Mm-hmm. God is in control of everything. Yeah, like, he, he, he knows it all. Um, the one uh, quote by R.C. Sproul that I um, have written here is: "There is not one piece of cosmic dust." That is outside the scope of God's sovereign providence. Yeah, yeah. I think we used something. We used it last, last time. time. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but it, also it that how He's used every single decision ever by billions of people on this earth to all wrap up to His will. Yeah, I mean, He knew who your third grade teacher was going to be, right? Like, yeah, it's another. It's a. It's an antinomy where it, we are. We are living life. We're making choices daily. We know that that's you know that's true. At the same time, everything is predestined. God has everything in control. So it, it's not a uh, paradox. It's it's not like these are two things that are con- um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for contradicting each other. Yeah. They're they're actually parallel. Yeah, I guess that ties or that goes with like there's that Spurgeon quote right where um, it's talking about how do you. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? These two things. How do you reconcile? reconcile. Re- yeah. How do you reconcile? You know, God's sovereignty and salvation, and you know, man making a choice or that type of thing, right? And he's like, well, how do you? You don't have to reconcile friends. Like, yeah, they actually work. They work together. But ultimately, we see that God moves first in before we can will to come to Him, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so this brings us to a big topic that comes up with this is evangelism. Um, if God is sovereign in salvation and God has his elect and he will bring his elect to himself, uh, like he'll draw them to himself, then why evangelize is often the point. But the thing is, um, ultimately, I forgot where I was going. Well, Anthony, no, well, first of all, we're called to, to good works through Christ mm-hmm. and good work is evangelizing. We've been commanded to go and preach the gospel to all nations. Yeah. Like the yeah. Great, great commission, yeah, right? the great commission. Um, second point would be that we don't know who the elect are. Right. And, That's true. Um, Charles Spurgeon said, our savior has bidden us to preach the gospel to every creature in Mark sixteen fifteen. 
he has not said, preach it only to the elect. And though that might seem to be the most logical thing for us to do, yet since he has not been pleased to stamp the elect in their foreheads or put any distinctive mark upon them, it would be an impossible task for us to perform. When we preach the gospel to every creature, the gospel makes its own division, and Christ's sheep hear his voice and follow him. Yep. I mean, and realistically, at the end of the day, uh, even if, if some people w- want to believe that this type of belief, uh, what would I just say, um, destroys motivation, at the end of the day, there's two things um, that I would, I would add to that, or I would refute that with. First of all, we're called to evangelize. That's a command. So there's, there's no debate about whether or not we should be evangelizing what yeah. we're, we're called to. And second of all, um, I was watching, uh, I believe it was a Ligonier's conference, um, just a clip of it, and the question was proposed that, you know, uh, if, if this, you know, if, if predestination is true, then, then why, or, uh, what motivation do you have to evangelize? And then one of the pastors has just had commented um, that it, it, it's um, guaranteed uh, success. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Uh, to tie to your point earlier, Braden, with that quote with Spurgeon, I also had read a quote from J.I. Packer where he says, We should not be held back by the thought that if they are not elect, they will not believe us, and our efforts to convert them will fail. That is true, but it is none of our business and should make no difference to our action. Yeah. Right? We're called to preach to everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, God... The thing is... Uh, we can go with confidence knowing that God will use it to call his, his own to himself. Yeah. To, the, to the world, like to the uh, unbelievers, like to those who are not of the elect, we're going to look like fools anyways. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's called, the Bible says it's foolishness to those who are perishing. Yeah. yeah. And it says that those are, who are of the flesh cannot understand it because it's spiritually, it needs to be spiritually discerned. And so there is... You know, there's both sides. There's that hyper-Calvinism, as it's called, where they believe, like we've been talking about, that they don't, they have no need to go evangelize. God will do it already, right? And that's that's obviously wrong. Um, but then there's this other side where we focus too much on man's responsibility, and that that ultimately can lead us to our evangelize our evangelism techniques being far too reliant on our own ability to try and convince or convert someone with our elegant speech or evidence. Um, well, in, I was reading The Soul Winner by Charles Spurgeon, and he makes a point of that it should be direct. It should be, you know, you know, you can pretty up the words as much as you want, but they may focus on how it was delivered. Man, this guy s- speaks so well. But then they don't give any thought to the message itself, mm-hmm. whereas they should. The message should be the thing that's driving mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And so both sides of this are true. Like God does call His own to Himself; He will, and we do need to proclaim the gospel because that's the way. Like God doesn't just ordain the end; He ordains the means as well. Mm-hmm. And the means He uses to um, reach people with the gospel is the proclamation of it, as it says in Romans ten, 
14 to 17 where it says you know how will they hear if no one goes or no one preaches and how will they preach if, or how will they preach if no one sends and uh and then later on in 17 where it says um the faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of christ so that's the means that he uses but he is still the one who draws and the one who gives the increase you know when paul talks about you know we sow and we water but God gives the increase. God's ultimately the one who's going to call him his own to himself. It just, he does it through the proclamation of, his, of the gospel. There's also a good point there where he's like, well, uh, you say, oh, we're from Apollos or we're from uh, Paul. And it's just like, or it's kind of similar to the conversation between Calvinists and those who are non-Calvinists. Non-Calvinists. <laughs> But it's it's just like it doesn't doesn't matter. Are you sowing seeds for God? Are you mm-hmm. watering for Christ? Do you believe in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life? Mm-hmm. And so yep. that that that's how this ties in with the verse where it says, "All who call on Him will be saved." Mm-hmm. Um, he will call them to Himself, and then they will respond. And then all who call on Him will be saved. There will not be people who call on him in faith mm-hmm. that will go to hell. Right. That's not going to happen because well, Jesus, literally the verse just barely says. Yeah. But, well, there's another verse that's very similar to it. Like uh, I think Jesus says that um, all those uh, all those who come to the Father, he will by no means turn away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. just the idea that if, if someone is in faith coming to the Father, um, obviously through Christ... Uh, there, there won't be like no one's, no one's going to be um, earnestly searching for Christ and searching the scriptures and and believing in Christ. While because they're not part of the elect, they're not they're not saved. That that's not at all biblical either. Um, yeah. yeah, and so God's sovereignty really, like we talked discussed before, is the reason why people pray for God to move to God for God to change people's hearts. But it is also the reason why we thank God for people's salvation right because we're not responsible for yeah changing anyone we just proclaim the gospel and it's god who gives the increase god who moves and uh on the whole thing of election as we kind of start winding down this episode i did have a quote where where it talks about you know i, I talked earlier with a quote about the fairness but there's this quote i came across with from rc sproul where he says uh, if God sovereignly chooses to bestow his grace on some sinners and withhold his grace from other sinners, is there any violation of justice? If God allows some sinners to perish, is he treating them unjustly? Of course not. One group receives grace, the other receives justice. No one receives injustice. Oh, I love that quote. Yeah. And that talks, mm-hmm. like, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Because people, people seem to think there's this, this unfairness that God would select, that God would save some and not save others. Yeah. But the truth is being We all deserve not, we ri- all deserve hell. Ridiculously bad sinners is what yeah. we are, and we, we deserve hell. And so that is justice. God is just. And if he gave us all justice, that would be hell for all of us. Well, it's the reminder of Ephesians 2 is that you were dead. You know, but God. But God. Mm-hmm. In his great you know, love. Right? Yeah. So. It's by his hand. Yeah, and one one thing I, I want to 
point out, I guess, is that you know these are this is the conclusion that we came to after searching the scriptures, and and we would encourage you to do the same thing. This is our viewpoint. This is what we believe the scriptures say. Uh, don't take our word for it. Search the scriptures yourself, um, and and, and uh, let the let the word of God speak for itself. Uh, don't take man's uh, word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we have many brothers and sisters in Christ who don't believe um, that this is. The, the the biblical view yeah um, they don't they don't agree on the understand this understanding right? yeah. yeah but they but, but they do agree on, on the gospel yeah I, I i know all three of us absolutely believe that there are brothers and sisters in christ who don't understand it this way and this is just from biblical study this is what we've come to believe mm-hmm. and this is as accurate as we can get it and you know what if we're mistaken we're welcome we welcome um, correction mm-hmm. if anything we've said is wrong. We we actually would love it because this is a really important topic, and we would really, really want we really, really want to be right on it. Right? I would so. say this is one of the most important topics. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. when Our it comes salva- to salvation, yeah, salvation, salvation the, is at stake. Yeah, salvation in the gospel is absolutely and the so, biggest thing. You know, our point of view may be um, that that God elects, that God chooses, who whom he will save. Um, that does not mean, however, that the presentation of the gospel is um, not necessary. But yeah. as a matter of fact, it is still incredibly necessary because we do not know who is the elect. It's even more important, it's even more important to just proclaim it to everyone, right? Yep, we don't exactly. know who will be drawn. Yep. And uh, I guess uh, speaking of of salvation, if there's any of you out there that that haven't um, that that haven't been saved, that haven't uh, accepted the the gift of salvation, um, we we just implore you to uh, to search the scriptures and, and to uh, to see the the truth. We know that in Romans three it says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that we're all in sin. We've talked about the total depravity or mm-hmm. uh, our, our sinful sinful nature, and that uh, we are depraved human beings, and that uh, you um, we're all in sin, and that you need you need someone to save you. You need Jesus, and He lived a perfect life on your behalf that you could not have lived, and then He died in your place. Um, to take the punishment of God's wrath, and then He rose again, uh, defeating sin and death, so that you could uh, w- one day rise again with Him in uh, in Christ, um, that so that He could present you to to the Father blameless. That uh, we get His righteousness, and He took our our, our sin. Um, so we would implore you just to uh, to uh, seek the Scriptures and and to to uh, turn to the truth. Uh, don't delay. The first words that Jesus says in the book of Mark is repent and believe. And to repent is to turn away from your sin. So you need to turn away from your sin. You need to ask uh, God for forgiveness. And uh, you need to repent of those sins. You need to follow Christ and believe in Him and trust in Him for your salvation. Absolutely. And we don't know how long we have. Um, we've just come through quite the turmoil of a year in 2020. and. But the beautiful thing is God is still on the throne. God is still reigning. Uh, he is still in control. I think 2020 <laughs> continued. I think they're just like, no, we're not giving up yet. Like I remember, <laughs> I remember hearing, I remember hearing one person say it the way they said it is 2020 turned 2021 and can drink now, and he's going to be like, hold my beer. Uh, you know, I, I, 
I can uh, I can improve on your methods in the word of strong bad. But uh, ultimately, the beauty is God is still on the throne. God is still in control. He yeah. is still sovereign. So if and, you, you know, one thing I would I would point out is you know I can see how there'd be a lot of fear. Um, there can be a lot of you know un, well there is a lot of uncertainty going mm-hmm. on, um, especially in the United States with what's all happening there. But with with COVID and and with governments and. And vaccines and all that kind of stuff. I would just, you know, just reiterate what what Ben and Derek said that put your trust in in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, in Christ you don't have to fear for these things, for your hope and um, salvation is in Him. That He is the your rock. You can trust in Him and everything. So that'd just be a reminder from all of us. Yeah. Just put your trust in Him. You know these things that they too shall pass and then one day we get to be with the lord in heaven praising mm-hmm. him for eternity which is just the most amazing thought what a wonderful day that will be yeah amen and just remember because the gospel is true there's always a reason to rejoice yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah that's that's a the great joy of the lord is our strength i heard that in a song that i, I just really love and I just heard, started listening to it recently, but it's just such a good point to remember. Yeah. Uh, whatever you're going through, the gospel is true, and so there's always a reason to rejoice. He is a a good, good God. Yeah. So with that, hope y'all have a good rest of your week. I don't know. Damn. Whenever you listen <laughs> to this, <all> right. <laughs> we don't know when you're listening to this. So have a good evening. Have a good afternoon. Have a good day. Have a good weekend. Have a good terrible week. transition to the end. We Whatever. love you. God bless. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Till next time.